All right, good evening. I think everyone turned out for me and not because of the pie, right? I know, I know. I think this is the second or maybe third time I've done like the pie night. You know, I, I, it's not, that's by coincidence. I didn't, I don't try and plan there or anything. Uh, not that the watermelon night isn't bad, but that's usually, I think these nights get better and better. It went from watermelon to ice cream, right? Now pie. The next week's the Mexican street tacos. I mean, right? I think it just elevates more and more. I'm not sure if that's planned or not. In my mind, at least it does. All the toppings last week with the ice cream were really good. Now we have, I don't know how many different types of pies and everything. Uh, but I'm really grateful to be up here in front of everyone tonight. It really is a, a privilege. I always look at it as a privilege. Um, and uh, my homiletics teacher in Bible college, you know, a class on how, really how to preach, he told us, he goes, preach every time like it's the last time you're ever going to preach. And uh, so that's what I try and do. And I remember when I first started uh, preaching, and I'm sure Pastor Lejeune remembers when he first started preaching in Bible college, and you're in these classes and everything. You think that every message you preach is going to be like God's gift to mankind, and you're going to change the world, right? And, and then everyone's going to come to the altar like weeping, and they're going to say, oh, that was such a great servant and everything. Uh, I don't know when I realized it, but I realized some time ago that I don't really care necessarily about having seven perfect points, preaching for exactly 45, 50 minutes. Uh, my goal is really just to translate what God has really already preached to me to everyone here. Uh, I really don't know how long I'll go. I don't see, I have a feeling that it's going to be pretty short, and then we'll get to the pie. But of course, right, now you guys will be watching your, your phones and everything, and now I'm going to go really long because I said that, right? But no, I just want to convey to what God has uh, just called me to preach to you guys tonight, and really what he's been working on in my own life. Uh, and I, I will get a little personal tonight, as I typically do, but I, I like being personal with everyone here. We're a church family, and uh, I really can honestly say this. Uh, some people in here I, I don't know as well as others, but uh, every member of this church, people who come here, I really do love each and every single one of you guys very, very deeply. Um, within the past year or two, I've made new friendships, met new people, uh, made one-on-one visits to some people, and really start to know your families a lot better. And uh, it just, it really is a spirit of love here uh, in this church. I really, really appreciate that. That's something we can take for granted really quick. Um, a lot of churches don't have a spirit of unity. They may say they do, but they really don't. I really feel like this is one of the few churches that has a serious spirit of unity. And I'm very, very grateful for that. A lot of times... Uh, in our Christian life, right? If we're, if we're not careful, we go and we, uh, we fall out of practice in the Christian life. We may not pray like we should. We may not read our Bible. And we forget God for whatever the reason may be. And we end closer and closer to sin. And then as a result, we become very sour in our lives. I've learned that there is a pattern, at least in my own life. We'll use some biblical examples tonight and look at their lives but in my own life, I noticed a pattern that was happening to me, this pattern of sourness. Um, and that comes along with just distancing yourself from the Lord. Uh, it just happens over time, little by little by little. And really my goal tonight, this may up front seem like in you know, the first couple points, oh, this is a, a woe is me sermon and all of that. Uh, but I just, just bear with me, wait till the end, um, right? Because it gets better in the end, it does. Um, <laughs> So I don't want to get up here saying, you know, sharing my heart with everyone here and, and kind of saying, well, uh, uh, some hardships and different things. Uh, there, there's a, gr- a good, you know, like, like, kind of like the gospel, right? There's a good news at the end. Um, and so we'll, we'll get to that, but just, just bear with the, the sermon until we get there. Uh, 
With that being said, if you would turn to Jonah, chapter 4. Tonight we're preaching a message called, Are You Sour? Are You Sour? And if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Read Jonah, chapter 4. The Bible says this. I still hear some pages turn around, making sure everyone's there. The Bible says in Jonah 4, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness." and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow, till he might see what would become of that city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah, that it may be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted, and wished himself to die, and said, Is it better for me to die than than to live? And God said unto Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither made it to grow which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between the right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Let us pray. Dear Lord, I love you so deeply and so dearly. I pray you'd be able to use me tonight. Help me to remove my sinful self out of the way. I pray you'd use me, not for my sake, for someone here that desperately needs to hear from you. I know a lot of times I come to church and uh, people may not know it, but I need to hear from you. And I don't want to hear from the preacher. I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. So I pray as much as I can, I would be spirit-filled. And everyone listening would be a spirit-filled listener. And at least one person can gain something out of this sermon here tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for Christ. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Growing up, we would take, I have family in Georgia, and we would take a trip down there once every five to seven years or so. And the big thing that we like to go to, they lived in Fulton County, which is, I believe that's, that is where Atlanta is. One of the big things we love to do would go, go to the Coca-Cola factory. Anyone else been to the Coca-Cola factory, right? And so you walk through this factory, and there's like this vault of like the secret recipe that you can go and see, right? And it's like this big thing, and it's like, oh, let's go see what the secret recipe is, right? And you walk, and you see, oh, this is how the Coca-Cola is made. This is, right, here's the bottling and, and all that. But the most favorite part as a kid was the, 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 the testing. You got a, a taste test of all these different types of sodas. I know Pastor Lejeune would probably enjoy that from your story, right? What was that, the, the Reds root beer or something like that? Something, right? And so you'd go there and you'd taste all these. And the cool thing about that was you had sodas from all over the world. You get all in the same room. You could just take your little tester cup, you go up to it, and think it had a huge waterfall or water fountain type thing, and you'd be able to see it go right into the cup. And so now my mom thought this is really funny because there's, there's really good tasting ones and ones, you know, 
And so there's me as a kid. I'm going up. Oh, here's the one from you know, America. Oh, yeah, here's this one. Here's that one. When I got to the one, I think it's from Italy. I think it's Beverly, it's called, or something like that. Yeah, you guys know where this is going, right? And, and I was like five the first time this happened to me. And I, I'm sitting there, and I'm going through all of them, right? And I know my mom is just sitting there waiting for me to get to that one. And then I get to this one, Beverly, right? And, it, and it's like, it tasted like sour tonic water. It was, you know, and I look back, and I'm like, oh, like what is this? Oh, it's so sour. It's so, uh, such that, that bitter taste in your mouth, especially going from all the sweet ones, all the nice ones, directly to the sour one. I was wanting to throw the cup. And then I was really scared to try any more because I didn't know what ones were going to be really, really sour after that. I didn't know if that was the only bad one, if there was going to be better tasting ones, worse tasting ones. But I remember that story very vividly. And, there's many, and in life, just like me going and tasting different things, there's days where we taste things, oh, this is really good. God's doing really great things in our life. And then for whatever reason, different things happen in, in your life, and you go to the, get the soda, if you will, and you go to that day of your life, and then you have this sourness that starts to form. And there are many different things that ca- could cause us to start to have a, a sour spirit. Maybe we lose a job, maybe a loved one that is very near and dear to us, maybe they pass away. Maybe there's a, a long-term illness we're dealing with that we have no clue. Doctors can't figure out what it is. We're trying and we're going to these different people and we're, we're praying to the Lord and, and that can't get solved. Maybe there's, uh, you know, you're not in the best uh, home environment and that's something that can cause people to be really sour. Maybe a lack of productivity and there's just other people bringing you down. The list can go on and on and on. And really what all these things uh, that I just listed have in common is they're more or less, they're out of our control. And that's something that's really frustrating in life. We want to have, feel like I have complete control over every aspect of my life. And then when different things enter, or God allows different things to enter into our lives, I, at least I do, I start to get like really thrown off by that. I'm like, oh my goodness. And at times, I, I do believe this, but I think I'll over-spiritualize it. And, and I'll say, well, you know what? I, if Whenever something isn't, is out of the normal, I know God's up to something. And I still believe that, but I think a lot of times I just say that to kind of make myself feel better about what's ever happening in my life. But when things are out of our control and they start snowballing, uh, you definitely get sour pretty quick. And you start to develop this attitude of, God, why, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? And to be honest with everyone here tonight, this is where I found myself. I found myself uh, just slowly, it didn't happen overnight, right? But slowly turning sour turning to this, uh, this place. And this is our, our, and the first point, I don't think Joe put it up there yet, but our, our sour spirit is really what I'm talking about here in the first point. And Jonah, right, uh, that we saw here, he found himself in a very similar uh, place. And, and like me, I've seen a lot of great, God do a lot of great things in my own life. I mean, think about what Jonah was able to see, right? Yeah, yeah he went, he, you know, was on the boat and he got thrown over. But he had God, he was calling out to God, God had God deliver him out of a whale's belly. That's pretty miraculous. Uh, I can't say that's ever happened in my life, but I know that's something I would look back to and say, wow, God, that, that's awesome. I was in this terrible position. I was running from you, and yet you're still able to help me. Not only was your grace evident there, but you did this miracle for me. That, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But then we see at the end of the book of Jonah, we really, I've always thought this about this book, but we're left at this cliffhanger that it just kind of ends. If you look down at the end of verse 11, the Bible says this, and should, I, and should not I spare Nineveh, 
this is God talking to Jonah, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left and also much cattle. That's really where we end the story of Jonah. But before that, you see the sourness he has because the people there were, were, you know, worldly. They were not the nicest by any stretch of the means of people. And God had asked him to go there and, and to preach these people to repent and get closer to God. And because he was made to do that, and I, I believe it's not something that Jonah as a kid, right, it wasn't like he was in school or learning uh, his, his alphabet, was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and send a revival in Nineveh. He probably wanted to do the complete opposite of that, right? But that's what God had called him to do. And that was out of his control. And he ended up being sour. And I don't say this to look down on Jonah. I say it to look at my life and go, wow, I, I was ending up a lot like Jonah with that sourness about me. Sure, God has done wonderful, wonderful things in my life. But my spirit, for one thing or another, it just ended up being sour. And I didn't realize it was happening uh, to me. It's one of those things that it's like if you're close to a, uh, ever been to one of those paintings, you get really close to it, and you have no clue what it, it is, but you step away really far, and it's like, wow, like, almost if you went to, up to, to a TV or there's like a lot of pixels or something, you went really close, you have no clue what it is, but you take a couple steps back, and you're like, oh, wow, it's a really wonderful piece of artwork. Or you can see, oh, wow, this is, this is what the whole picture looks like. And it's not until you take a step back and you reexamine maybe your life or whatever, and you say, oh, that's, that's what God was up to. But in the moment, things are really blurry, and uh, because of that, you get really uh, sour in your spirit. And I, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe you aren't, but I don't, you guys are, could be thinking, you know, really, Kyle, like, you really feel that way? You seem like a pretty optimistic person. Like, up here, I'm smiling, right? And I'm wearing a nice uh, suit coat and tie, uh, you know? And I would like to portray that 24-7. Like, I'm all gung-ho. I'm all happy all the time. But I know that you know that that isn't the case, right? I'm not, you know, happy-go-lucky all the time. There's times where I'm really annoyed, I'm really upset, I'm really angry. Uh, there's times, right, I'm talking about tonight, I, I get really sour and frustrated with other people and, and with uh, myself and just different life circumstances. And I start to feel really, really sour. And, but the thing is, right, when we come to church, I don't want anyone to think that, oh, Kyle has a sour, sour spirit. Right? I don't want you guys to think that, you know, he doesn't have it all together. I don't want anyone in here to think that. I think you guys would say the same thing. We want everyone to think that, man, He's really well-dressed. Remember, I wear the bow ties. So, right now, you guys are like, oh, he's not wearing it tonight. I know half of you guys are now looking at my ties like, wow, he's wearing a normal tie. Some people might be counting lights or something like that. That's what I do. And I, you know, pastor's up here preaching. I'll space out. And he, all right? I know. Whoa, whoa, It happens. You're laughing because you know it's true to you as well. Yeah. Then he'll pull me back in with a nice story, right? Kind of like how I just did, making you guys all laugh. So. But no. Uh, see, now I lost my train of thought making that joke. Um, we'll, we'll find ourselves about being a sour in life. And we all want to look good. We all want to present well. But the truth of the matter is, if we're all honest with each other, most of the time we're not feeling that great. And most of the time things aren't always going great. Even though, again, we want to portray that they are, they may or may not be. And there's definitely seasons in my life for a couple months I'll be going great and every day will be great. And then it seems like there's seasons where Things aren't going great. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? And just, there's different patterns of everything. And I will say this, and something that I, um, I, I am seeing here in this church, but in our, in our church culture, is that we have to, and I'm not necessarily saying it from this, for this church, but as a whole, we need to start being really honest and open with each other. 
You know, a lot of times, for whatever reason, I don't think it's anybody's fault here. It's probably my own fault. I, I feel like I need to go up to someone and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm distancing myself from the Lord. I'm feeling, like, I'm feeling sour. I need to go to somebody. I feel like, maybe not that I can't, but if I go to someone, they're going to look down on me and they're going to say, yeah, there's something really wrong with you. Why are you, why are you feeling like that? You know, oh, you went, you know, there was one day last week where you didn't read your Bible. Wow, you're, you must not be a spiritual uh, Christian. And I don't know if that's just a lie that my flesh tells me. Maybe it's from Satan or something of that nature. But we definitely need to work on being more honest and open with each other. Because I think if I just went to, I, honestly, I think if I went to someone and said that, I feel like they'd say, wow, I'm struggling with this and this too. Could you help me out with whatever it is? And if we were to do that, right, it would help me, at least I know from my personal experience, it would help me not to be as sour. And I could go and talk to someone about that. And I'm sure we would have a great uh, community and great Christians. And think about we're bearing one another's burden, as the Bible says. And we're not looking down at each other, but rather we're exhorting one another unto good works. Right? And we're doing that. And I think if that happened, we would start living wonderful Christian lives. And then we wouldn't get so mad at sister so-and-so or brother or whatever his name is. Right? Because we're being honest and open with each other. And if that starts happening, then what else are we going to be honest and open with with each other? Um, if I'm honest and open with, you know, let's say Pastor Lejeune, hey, I haven't read my Bible this week. I, I really could use some help with that. Now, if I were to ever have awe against him or awe against someone else in the, in the church, I already have this pattern of no, you know, letting someone know that I'm not perfect. And so there's no fear of me going to him, hey, you said this wrong to me. Do you think we could talk about this? That uh, becomes really easy. And we hold things in. Uh, it becomes really at least for me, things become really, really sour. And then when I would be sour, right, sour my own spirit for one way or another, what would end up happening is I would be sour, and this is point two, I would start to be sour at other people's success, at other people's success. And it's something that's kind of, I, I guess, in a way odd to say. Turn to Genesis uh, chapter 4, very, very popular uh, story in the Bible. This is a very sour situation. Genesis 4, the Bible says this, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is, thy, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And we say here, we see how, how sour Cain was. Really, it comes down to Abel's success and his offerings that he was able to give there. And he got so sour, he ended up committing murder. And one of the, really, one of the most tragic stories in, in the Bible, just cold blood. Why? Because he became sour. I found myself in my sour spirit, and then, for whatever reason, and 
I didn't want this to happen. I didn't like that it was happening. I was talking to the Lord, like, hey, Lord, please change my attitude, change my mindset. Um, I started focusing on other people and, and started really wrongfully being like, well, this person is, is succeeding, and, and I don't know what their you know, spiritual life is. And of course, right, myself, being the great guy I am, I was like, man, I'm, I'm a lot more spiritual than whoever this is, and they're doing great things in life. How come, Lord, how come you're not exhorting me up to, to this, right? Well, how come you're not doing that in my life? And I, and I started to look, um, my perspective started to get really, really, really poor and really frustrated with other people. And, and really at other Christians, especially those that seemed as though there's no trials in their life, right? Because that's, that's true, of course. But of course it's not, right? And I would convince myself that I had it worse than anybody else in the world. It's really funny. I was putting this sermon together. And usually when I, I, I start to meditate on sermons, what am I going to preach it usually happens. I'm working at UPS. I'm like in the, in the trucks, in the warehouse, just loading boxes. And I'm just thinking, you know, for a couple hours. I'm just thinking thoughts or whatever. And it really, it really does feel like the Holy Spirit of God is preaching to me. Because I'll try and listen to like a podcast or whatever. I'm like, I can't even, because there's just something that's just meditating in my mind and something that's bubbling over. And the sermon I'm preaching here tonight, I really felt like the Lord himself was preaching this to me. And so anyway, I was in this truck uh, with this guy at UPS, and I was just witnessing to him, and this, this really happened just this week, and I started witnessing to him and everything, and, and there was layoffs that were going on in UPS, I came close to getting laid off, praise the Lord, I didn't, but he ended up getting laid off temporarily, and he's back whenever the, the, the workload is up. He was talking to me, he's like, yeah, I, I had a, a, a newborn, uh, I think it was a daughter, something like that, a couple months ago, and they have this newborn, and I wasn't able to work for the last 13 days, and, and and now we can't, um, I can't afford to, to be in the apartment we were. So my girlfriend had to move with a baby back in with her mom. And I have to uh, you know, have it rent a room with just a, a group of guys. And he was like, I just want what's best for my family. And I'm like, you know, trying to relate with him. I'm like, I'm like, you know, you know and I, I didn't say similar situation. I started thinking that way. I'm like, wow, I want the best what's for my family too. And I want what's, what's best for me and my family. I want our own place and everything like that. And then he went on to say, that he's, uh, he, we're talking, and he goes, hey, he goes, Kyle, have you ever heard of the foster care system? And I was like, yeah, no, I, I've heard of that. And he goes, I was in there at four years old. And I, I really was looking down at myself, being like, man, my life is terrible. Not only did I have a, a wonderful, loving mom and dad, I grew up with a mom, dad, and two loving step-parents. So I really had four parents that loved me dearly. And he's saying this to me, and he, was, he said I bounced around from foster home to foster home. And I asked him, I was just trying to, again, I was trying to witness to him, right? So I go, do you know, you know, do you ever think about why God, you know, put you in that situation in life? And his response was, he goes, well, he goes, my dad was a drug dealer and my mom was a prostitute. And I'm like, man, it really hit me hard because I'm looking at myself and like, man, my life is so hard, right? Never had to deal with any of that. I mean, talk about, I can't even... It's like, how do I keep, and I can keep witnessing to that person and give them the gospel. I don't even know how I can say I can relate to that. I, I can't, and by any stretch of the means, I don't. And it was normal for him, and he wasn't sad or anything. I mean, saying it now, I feel like getting really choked up. But I'm like, man, and then I proceed to talk to him and, and further things. But when you really get proper perspective in life, especially because the wonderful country I live in, I, I have um, loving parents, loving step-parents, Brothers, sisters, I never had to bounce around from house to house. Never had to wonder where my next meal is coming from, right? And the and, and Lord really started pointing out with me. It's like, I'm, I'm so concerned about really trivial things. Every night I sleep in a warm bed. Every night, I, I, every day I have food. I have, I mean, compared to really most of the world, 
and really most of the food across human history, like the most gourmet food that has really ever been offered. I have fresh fruit, fresh meat. I never have to worry. There's dates on everything. I don't have to worry about you know, food being expired, really. I, I know exactly when it was uh, processed and all of that. I, I have all these things. I never have to worry about water. I can drink an abundance of water, and, and it doesn't matter. And you start to t- talk to different people. And you start to get a, uh, a good uh, perspective on life, and it really does change you. And it really does start, makes you look at what your issues are compared to whoever's. They're really not that bad. And I, and I would keep them over you know, being in the foster care system for those amount of years. Cause I can't imagine what that is. And it really does break my heart. And pray for, uh, for this guy I've been witnessing to. Hopefully he comes to church and he can get saved and get right with the Lord. Um, he's been really placed heavily on my heart. But there, there, there are those times where we just feel like, oh, you get sour in yourself, your perspective gets off in, in, uh, in life. And the, really the truth of the matter is, as I look across this auditorium and I see people who are quote-unquote successful, whether you think it or not, everyone has had their fair share of heartache and heartbreak. And they all had, everyone who has know what success is in their own eyes, they have all felt that. They've all felt some serious trauma happen to them in their life before God made them be successful in whatever it is they were trying to do in one way or another. And one thing I've learned is that there's always more to someone's story than just the face value. And you should never, ever, ever judge someone on their success in, in the wrong way. A lot of times you're like, wow, that person's successful. They're doing great things. We're kind of judging them. We have no clue what their character's like or anything like that, right? Uh, just because, you know, they're a millionaire means they're like a really good person. I know that's, that's not true. But we start to judge people based on that. And we start to think good things about this person. Oh, they must be a hard worker if they're able to gain wealth that way. Or they must in these good character traits. But if we're not careful... We could also look at someone because of their success in, in a very negative light and say, well, they're like that because they never had to go through anything. Or oh, they're like that because nothing bad has ever happened to them, right? And that's not true at all. We should never, ever judge someone just at face value for whatever reason. There's always more to somebody's story. And God is always working the backgrounds of every person's life. Everyone, especially in the Christian life, everyone has ups and downs. And, you know, some days are really high. Some days are really, I mean... It happens. There's seasons of your life that you're doing really good, and there's seasons you're going through trials, and there's these different seasons in life. And with that being said, I would really just, I would say this, that we have to, especially for me, really stop looking inwardly about how sour things are, different things like that, but really start looking outwardly, and, and again, you'll realize um, how good you have it in life. And you'll realize, man, and I know we've had uh, missionaries come here, and we'll see the missions videos. I think of certain ones, and I'm like, man, I don't know how they're living. And they are, and they're still, they're happy. And I'll talk to them, and they're like, man, they're really, they're doing, they're doing great things for God. I know it's not always like that, but I start to look at those people, and I'm like, wow, I really, I have it good where I am. And then, that brings me to my third point, and just this, uh, this pattern that was really happening to me. You know, I'm getting sour in my spirit, which is causing me to now look at other people and get sour at fellow Christians, just people in the world, and get, get upset with God because they're succeeding and I'm not, right? And I'm going through this, and I'm sour at them. And then, of course, the natural progression, I would start to get sour, and this is point three, sour at the spirits. I started to get mad at, at God. I really did. Psalm 84.11 says this, 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. There's many, many other places you can go in the Bible for how God's going to help us and go to the Gospels and how God's going to come through for us and everything. But after being upset with myself and others, it's like, for whatever reason, the next thing, I was just got upset at God. Just, you know, just like, I'm mad at myself, my situation, all this person, blah, and for whatever reason, it just translates to the Lord. And as if it, any of that was God's fault at all. Of course it wasn't. And, if, and I got to this place where I started thinking things like, God, why would you do this uh, for so-and-so, like I said before, but, you know, keep me down, and so on and so forth. And the thing that was really hard for me and, I, and I'm saying all this tonight because I don't think I'm the only one who ever feels like this and really doing this to, to hopefully be a help to people. But I, I, something that really got me kind of, um, I, I guess, frustrated, sour, whatever word you'd like to use, was that I felt like I was following God perfectly to a T. It wasn't like I was just making hasty decisions. I'm praying, fasting about different things I'm going through in life, and, and I'm really considering the Lord and what he would have me to do. And it just felt like, like I don't know, I wasn't doing anything. I just kept saying, like, oh, man, my life is so terrible, right? And, of course, I told you I'm witnessing the people at UPS and different things like that. And he started to get a good perspective on life. And I started to think this, that going in to life with this perspective that, well, if I'm successful, that means God loves me, right? And then if I'm not successful or something, then maybe God doesn't love me as much. And something that someone said to me, I've said this before in my life group classes, and this is something that was said to me, and I think it was my... Um, my personal evangelism, or like, you know, I have a soul-winning class here. It was said in that class. The teacher said that, you know, if you go out soul-winning and you lead 100 souls to the Lord, God loves you. And if you don't lead anybody to Christ, God still loves you because he loves you the most he's ever going to love you. He, he's never going to love you more because he already loves you so much more beyond your imagination. And so when we go through life and we go, well, if I'm successful, God loves me. And then if I'm not successful, maybe he doesn't love me as much. And there's these different things. And that going into life with that idea really is setting, our, is setting God up for failure because it's a wrong mentality to have. Because I'm, only, I'm already going into this that, okay, if things don't go, my, go the way I want them to go, then God's let me down. And that's a terrible way to live life because here's the, here's the, whole, the whole thing I started thinking about. We would live in a sinful world, a sin-filled world at that. And there's not, we live in this imperfect world. So because we live in this imperfect world, how do we, why do we expect perfect things to happen to us? Right? It just, it just, logically, when you break it down like that, very logically, it's like, it was like a light bulb went off with me. I was like, wow, I'm living in a sinful world, and no, this isn't the world that God had created us in, but we chose sin, and that's what happens. And that's just, that's the course of life we have, and thank God he sent his son to a cross, so we can have a, a relationship restored back to, to him. But we're not in a perfect world by any stretch of the means. You know, I know we had the wedding here yesterday, right? I'm sure that was well-planned, and I know it was well-planned, well-thought-out, many, many days in advance. Or if you're going on a vacation, right, you're planning this trip. We had a trip to Moses just recently, uh, and and that church went on. And there's all this planning and preparation that goes into it. Maybe you're just planning to, you know, your your work week, or you're planning different things. And inevitably, does it always go smoothly? No, it doesn't. Something's going to go wrong. There's going to be a hiccup somewhere. And so we think of those those day-to-day things, just earthly things, it never goes perfect. Nothing ever goes according to plan. So then how come in the spiritual world, I think, in this imperfect world, that everything is going to go according to plan? And, oh, okay, because I, I talk to the Lord, because I pray, that means everything's just going to go, to my, go my way. I'm going to be the best Christian, and, and nothing ever you know, sour is going to happen to me. That's, again, that's just setting God up for failure, because then that's causing me to say, 
well, Lord, you must not love me because you didn't allow this to happen or, or you didn't allow that to happen. And that's a really backward way of looking at it. Because at the end of the day, God, he doesn't owe us anything, right? There's nothing that God owes me. He died on the cross for all my sins. And if we go into every day saying, all right, Lord, you don't owe me anything today. If anything else happens, it's like an extra blessing from you, right? That's the truth of it. He doesn't have to do anything. God could literally make me feel sour. I could feel worse than Jonah uh, my entire life. And it, it wouldn't matter because at the end of the day, at Anything. I'm going to heaven when I die because I believe on Jesus Christ. Right? That's the worst. That's the worst part about my life. I and mean, that's not. Uh, that's it. When it comes, it boils down to that. And you start to have that right perspective. And it's like, man, it sounds silly that I'd ever be upset at God, right? With, with that, it sounds silly that I'd ever be frustrated with the Lord because it isn't His fault. It, and a lot of times, the best answer to give to someone it, to, that I give to myself with, well, how come this is happening to you, or how come that's happening to you, or, or so on and so forth. You know, the, really the answer, very simple answer, is that's just the way life is sometimes. We live in this sinful world. God doesn't want it to happen to you, but everyone has their free will. And that's just the way it happens. And God's, of course, there to help you along. And you do see miracles and you do go through hardships. But that's just the nature of life. It's the nature of the flesh. It's the nature of the world. And we can't be mad at God for that. Uh, and you start to think, wow, really, Kyle, you're ever mad or upset at God? Like, yeah, it happens. And honestly, I wish it didn't happen, but it, it does happen. And, and again, it sounds kind of funny me saying it up here, and really, you know, instead of me, you know, me saying it verbally out loud, because he's done so much for me, right? Uh, I have two wonderful daughters. I have a wonderful wife. I have just lived such a, really, in the grand scheme of things, a very, very wonderful life. And, you know, I'm only 26 years old. There's still, I don't know, 50, 60, 70% of my life left, depending on how long I live, right? Um, and it, I'm sure wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things are going to come. And we need not to get sour at ourselves. We need not to get sour at each other. And we don't, for sure, we don't need to get sour at God. What we need to do is, we need to have the proper perspective and start saying, you know what, Lord, this is my life. You can do whatever with what you want. And a lot of times we say that, right? I, I can so easily get up here and say, Lord, you know, I'll tell you guys here, oh, Lord, my life is yours. Do whatever you want with me. And it sounds really spiritual, right? Then like Monday or Tuesday comes and someone cuts you off or... Right? And you're like, man, I, I really want to get out of this car and, and show, you know, get to a red light. Like, I just want to look over at that guy and, and give him peace of my mind, right? Or whatever may happen. I'm, I'm at work, and man, there's, there's one guy I work with, and he has a really bad spirit. He has anger issues, really bad spirit about him. And I'm like, I, I don't like working. I've worked with this guy for probably two years. I really don't like going in this guy's truck because I know every time I go in there, my spirit is just going to turn so angry and bitter and sour because he's just thrown by. I mean, just angry. I like, I like nothing. I'm like, I just feel like saying, why are you so angry all the time? Right? And I'm like, oh. But even through that, right? During that, i got to say, well, Lord, it's all right. And it's a lot harder then to say that than up here. Up here, it's easy. At church, it's easy to put that. Like I said before, it's easy to put that front up. It's easy to say, to over-spiritualize things and to say, oh, don't worry. You know, God's got this. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's it's difficult uh, in your day-to-day work week. And that brings me to my last point here. The sweet savor. The sweet savor. I have John 19, 1 through 24. I won't read all of it, but this is, uh, this is the crucifixion story here. And this is really what makes life all worth it, right? All the sourness that I've had to endure, and everyone here, I'm sure, has. And you go through those times in your life. This is, this, is, this is the sweet savor to me when I look at the Bible. 
The Bible says this in John chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. I'll stop there. And the Bible continues to go on with this story. Right? We, we know the Easter story and how brutal it was. If it wasn't for that brutal uh, story, I wouldn't be on my way to heaven. I, I thank God. I need to thank him a lot more. Uh, for the the sacrifice he made for me on the cross. There was a a boxer, Marvelous Marvin Hagler of 20th century, great, great boxer. And he was going up for one of the biggest fights of his career. And he was going up to it, and he's still trying to make a name for himself. He's going against a guy that already had all the the prize money, right, and already was uh, established. And the interviewer said, you know, why are you, how are you going to be able to beat this guy? He already has all these championships. You're really going to dethrone him, right? They're asking him this. And he said this, and this really hit home with me, with me being sour and everything. He said, it's really hard to get up early in the morning and train when you're sleeping in silk sheets. It's really hard to do that. And he was talking about the guy. He's saying, look, look, he's already made his money. What does he have to get up and fight for? What, what does he have to do? And really, what he was saying, right, when life is easy, you become a very weak person. And when life is hard and you're forced and hopefully you succeed, you're, you're forced to become a very strong person. It's even been said like this, and this is a really um, like catchy thing, but it's been said like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. And good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. It's just a cycle that goes on and on. And when we go through seasons of hardship in our life, like I feel like I have, which really isn't anything compared to other people, but when we go through seasons of hardship in our life, it's probably because we've been sleeping in silk sheets for too long and we've become soft as Christians. That's not always the reason, at least for me at times. I feel like this is what God does. And God needs us to be tough, tough Christians. Because when you're sleeping in silk sheets, right, it's really easy to sleep in, to snuggle up all nice, right? You find a perfect temperature, right? Especially in the summertime, about this time of year, so you could crack a window open if a nice cool breeze, right? And you're cuddled under the, the blanket and you're like knocked out. It's really easy under perfect conditions, really nice sheets to sleep in and do that. Well, the same is true in our Christian life. When everything is going well and everything is fine, it's a lot harder to get up early in the morning and pray. It's a lot harder. It sounds crazy, but that's the truth. We, we go to God as like a 911 emergency call, as if it's a last resort type of thing instead of a first plan of action. And we need to go to God first. Even when things are, we feel like things are going great, and it's hard to do. When, when things are going great, it's, it's, that's when it's hardest for me to maintain my relationship with him the way that I should. Uh, and you just get too comfortable in life, and you get too comfortable in the things that you know. And God has to just ruffle your bed a little bit. And so you can live the best, Christ, the best Christian life for you. And so you can do wonderful things for him. And I was putting this sermon together, and I'll say this to close. I've been living the Christian life for 10 years now. I came here when I was about 15, 16 years old. Uh, 2013 was the first time I, I came here. I came here as a kid, but I, I came here then. And I was talking to someone, and I said, you know, I was just telling things about my life, kind of a little bit being a little sour, right, and all that. But I moved to the sweet saver, and I said, you know what, at the end of the day, 
everything that has happened to me in my Christian life in the past 10 years, the ups, the downs, the things that I thought were really bad, the things that I thought were really good, I am so grateful for them because I'm the person, or everyone here today, I'm the person that God wants me to be because I followed him through all those hard times, through all those difficulties. And I would love to say that I've been spiritual, I've been happy, and I've been all the time. I haven't been. I've been far away from God. I've been close to God. I've been really good at reading my Bible. I've been really bad at reading my Bible. I've been really good at praying. I've been really bad at praying, right? And that's what's happened over the past 10 years. But everything, every decision I've made, I wouldn't change it for anything in, in the world because I'm the person who God wants me to be today. And then hopefully, right, 10 years from now, I can say the same thing. I said this in my life group class today. I said, and I, heard, I first heard Brother Jim say this. I think he probably gets it from somewhere else. We've all maybe heard this in so many ways. But the Christian life really is measured in decades and not days. I would really love for people to, you know, be a faithful Christian. And, you know, you have your ups and downs, you're praying and not praying, you know, for 50 years, rather than get discouraged and you never see them again after the first couple of months they got saved. Um, I really would rather people be faithful at church, even if they're feeling lukewarm, they don't feel like coming to church. I really would rather people do that for, you know, for 10 years. Hopefully it doesn't happen for that long. I'd rather you be in church than never in church at all and just forget about God, right? Because that's, that's really the important thing is that we do our best for God. And my really goal for everyone I come in contact with is to hopefully make them a better Christian and a better person. And God wants that for all of our lives. He wants us to get to heaven and to be able to present him with different things. And my goal in preaching this, right, isn't, right wasn't just, oh, woe is me. It was really to say God is such a wonderful God uh, beyond any comprehension, I, you know, I, I think this too. Of course, pastors and missionaries and, and full-time Christians have had such a deep impact on my life. But I really think the people that have had the impact on my life, are people who are lost, people who don't know the Lord or aren't in church, I talk to them, I hear their testimonies, and I'm like, man, I can't believe that person's dealing with that. And, I, and I'll say, wow. And, and I'll think, wow, they, even, they don't even have a relationship with God to be able to get through that, to be able to go through that. At least I have the Lord. If that were to happen to me, at least I had talk to God. I know how to talk to God. I know I could come to church and be around you guys and feel a little better, right, with the Christian fellowship. Um, those people that I witness to, and they're really facing really serious difficulties in life, I, I almost think they've almost shaped me more than great Christians have because I hear their testimonies and I think, Lord, thank goodness I'm saved. Thank goodness I believe on you. Thank goodness I have you. And times aren't always going to be great. And I'm really kind of I feel like the last couple of sermons have had this tone to them, so I don't mean to always be, be like that. And I, I really am coming out of this uh, with whatever you know, becomes of my life. Because you know what? God is good all the time. There's, and that's really what I'm getting at here tonight. God is always good. No matter what comes my way, no matter what happens uh, in life, God's always good to you. You could think your life is so sour. You could think it's so bad. You could, right, like I did, you could fall into this pattern. Like, oh, man, my life is terrible. Right? Like, Joan, oh, then you get mad at someone else's success. Oh, how come they're not going through trials? Right? And then you go, oh, Lord, oh, you're terrible to me. And you start saying crazy things like that. But at the end of the day, don't ever forget, God saved you from going to hell. He died for you. There's nothing that anyone could ever do that would be better than that. Nothing will ever come close to that. Because, again, my worst days, the worst days in life, there's nothing that will ever be worse than, than me dying and going to hell. And I will never, ever have to experience that. So it's kind of like, okay, my life is terrible on earth. I mean, so be it, right? I'm going to heaven someday. And that's what I have to look for. And uh, last thing I'll say is this. One thing that I, I do, I should do more often, when I feel like I'm going really going through it, I always picture myself getting to heaven. And I'm just like, Lord, I just want to run, sprint to you, and just like hug you for a thousand years, right? 
I just want to feel that tenderness, kind of like how John did with him. I just want to hug him for a thousand, two thousand years. And I know he'll say to me, Kylie, everything's okay. I know it was a hard ride. I know it was difficulty, but you're here now. Nothing else matters. Nothing else will matter when I'm there. That's something that keeps me going forward. So at the end of the day, especially if you're, if you're trusting on Christ, that's what you have coming for you in however many years. And then if you don't know the Lord, make sure you get that right so you can experience that someday. And so you don't die and go to hell.